Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening as ever are Adam White and Samuel Rook. After a week filled with uh, jealousy, anger and fallouts, it's nice to get out of Pamela Anderson's personal life and back into the footballing world. So without further ado, because without any midweek games, we don't have too much news to bring you. Uh, let's dive in straight into the weekend's fixtures. And let's start with Friday evening's game with Lille hosting Monaco. And Adam, Marcelo Bielsa was pretty pricky to journalists this week asking about his future and, and his previous in Marseille as well. So keeping in the spirit of things, should he's, his side get spanked here, does he go? I It's an interesting one. I, I, I don't think so. Um, I, they've obviously started terribly. That 3-0 win against Nantes on the opening day of the season seems like a very, very long time ago. In a game which they looked really good. Um, and I, you know, I sort of thought that at that point, obviously very early stages, but they're on for a top six finish with the way they started. But since then, what they've, they've only got two more points in the next last five games and he scored four goals. They're in 17th. And as you mentioned, um, Bielsa had a very interesting press conference uh, this week in which he was, it was sort of rumoured that he might be on his way a little, it was not necessarily on his way, but there was sort of rumours that he could be edging towards the exit door, given how his spell at Marseille ended. And then it ended very abruptly. Confusion and sort of, it was a bit uh, sort of unsure as to why he moved on. And I think he, he pretty addressed the, those issues pretty, pretty forth in a forthright manner, it was very, very, very forward with quite a few journalists uh, at that press conference who he was very angry with. Um, about sort of the way he perceived himself to be treated. Um, it was interesting that he talked a lot about the, the the so he was given sort of an ultimatum or told that he'd be paid sort of 10% less at Marseille for the following season without any any reason. So he, he resigned, which sort of seems fair enough that, you know, that the 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 lawyer and and, and an associate of the of the president could come and say that to him and him not be you can understand that's why you know he would want to move on and he said that in terms of Leo that he the only way he says that he'll leave this season is if he's sacked um which which to be honest I I I can sort of on board with what he's saying now I can I can see see his see his point of view and and, and it feels like that's that's what he wants to happen but given this is Marcelo Bielsa who's had a very very changeable career obviously the two the two days at Lazio last summer or another sort of sort of sticking point if you like that could quite easily change but in terms of this game, even if they were to get destroyed by Monaco tomorrow night, I don't think he'd be he'd be on his way. I think there's still a long way to go with this Lille team. Uh, given they've only played six games, they've had so many, so such a huge player turnover in the last six months. Since the January transfer window, they signed seven players on transfer deadline day, sent another nine or ten over the summer. Sort of be getting towards 15, 20 players moving on in that time as well. Kevin Malky is the oldest player in the squad, which is ridiculous. He's 26 years old. Um, but if you exclude Vincent Anyama, who's been sort of ostracised and exiled, and they've got an average age of just under 22. So there's a very, very long way to go, and there's a lot of potential in this team. And I doubt that, even though they're very, they've been playing very poorly in the last few games, that Bielsa would would consider leaving this early. And I don't think that Gerard Lopez. Leo's owner would be keen to, to, to get rid of him either, given how much effort he put into securing his signature and the fact that this is a long-term project. And I, I still think there's a long, long way to go for the Leo team and for Marcelo Bielsa. But it'd be interesting to see how his players react and how he reacts should they lose. I think there'll obviously be more questions for him following that game, should they lose heavily. Um, and it'll be interesting to see the fallout from that. But for, for me, 
I, I think he's he's a little he's little manager for for a long time yet. He was a little bit ducking and diving those Marseille questions, it seems, and I feel a little bit sorry for some of the journalists because mm. correct correct me if I'm wrong. He that first when he did leave Marseille, it was the it was the first game of the season. It was pretty much pretty much straight after that he resigned. So unless those lawyers, as he said, came to speak to him very quickly after that match or, or within then in the next day and he, he resigned after that. And keeping quiet for so long when it was so shrouded in mystery does seem strange, especially if that administration has gone. And yeah, he didn't, he didn't mention those two days in Lazio. He did, he, yeah. uh, that, that seemed to slip his mind, didn't it, when uh, people were mentioning that um, he may, sometimes makes a slightly hasty um, yeah. unnoticed exit. I think that's probably the, the problem here, right? I, th- it, I think it, that's probably what sort of was in the offing here that people were kind of expecting him to just make another rash decision and you know turn around and leave. But I think he's a little bit more invested than perhaps the journalists give him credit for. I, I think that before that corn game with Marseille, when he when he was resigned before, he I think he said he made a decision like two days beforehand and <laughs> then decided to to play that game and then leave afterwards. He sort of wrote that letter that he read out to the journalists at that press conference. So I think there's probably it's, I think that, that meeting took place a little bit before that game, so rather than straight afterwards. So I think there's a little bit of nuance there that perhaps wasn't fully fleshed out at this at the press conference. But yeah, I, it's still Marcelo Bielsa, so there's still a lot that can change. But I think for now, I think I, I, I don't see him moving on any time in the in the near future. Seemingly. Um, does that and last week's result in Germany in the Champions League make that Nice defeat feel a little bit like more like a brief blip, or is there still some, some concerns for you for them going forward? That Nice game does now feel well and truly in the in the uh, the rearview mirror. Um, it was an exceptional day for both Monaco and Nice. That was Nice's best performance of the season up to that point, and clearly Monaco's worst. Um, it's worth remembering that it was the same result last season when Monaco was still the Monaco that we know. Um, so there was not a huge reason to, to overreact to one one bad game, and they did turn it around again very quickly. The, the Champions League draw away in Germany, as we discussed, a worthy performance of, uh, of a top draw competition, and then to come out at the weekend again and, and do what needs to be done. Um, nothing too worrying there, but... There should be still little reasons for concerns. Falcao's return to Atletico Madrid level, Falcao, this is what we've seen this season. He's Last season he was very good. This season he's been great. That's papering over some of the cracks. He's scoring so many goals that the loss of all those other goal scorers isn't really uh, showing just now. I mean, last season, Mbappe, Germain, Lamar, Fabinho, Bernardo Silva all got double figures. Uh, this season, the only players with more than one, apart from Falcao, are the center halves, Jemison and Glick, with two each. So for now, it looks fine because Falcao just keeps scoring and the other squad members are kicking in here and there. But I think we're going to see more problems if Falcao slows down, if he gets injured again. And you know, we all know that that's just been a recurring theme in his career. Then there's, there is real reason for concern. And uh, the fact that they are now this season, they're chasing uh, in a way that they really weren't last season. I mean, no one expected them to win the league. So when they weren't top, that wasn't 
a big topic of conversation. And when they went top, it was a surprise. You know, they, they spent most of the season on top, 20, 21 games, I think, out of 38. So they were being chased. It's a different experience. This season now, then they need to win games and need to push for game to for, for wins and for goals. If they lose Falcao, if these if the other new signings don't begin to kick in the goals that they need them to do, then there's going to be real real cause for concern. For now, everything's more or less fine, but I think it's a bit too early to say that the the slip up against Nice was just a blip. For now, it seems like a blip, but we have to wait and see. Yeah, we really have to hope that players like Ronnie Lopez, who who got off a mark at Strasbourg, and and Rashid Gazal, who's probably coming off the bench, the likes of Kaita and uh, excuse me, and Jovetic as well, who play reasonably well at the weekend. If they can start scoring and chipping in a little bit, it'll take some of that burden off. But it might be also a big season for Thomas Lamar, really, to maybe even crack fifteen. It might be a bit crazy to ask, but fifteen goals will make him certainly one of those players that will. Everyone will be looking to grab it in the uh, summer transfer window when that pops around. Let's let's get some predictions in this one. And I'll start with you, Adam. What do you think's the result in this one? Three 0 Monaco. And Sam, I think that probably sounds about right. I think Monaco will probably do this fairly comfortably. Um, yeah, I'd say the same. Three 0 I'm going to go with five uh, nil and. Uh, Michelle Bielsa decides to maybe try and find a plane ticket out of there for a moment, for at least briefly anyway, because he, he might start losing his uh, sanity again. Um, let's move on to a, a couple of teams we've not really talked about this season too much so far, and that's Con and Amiens. And, and Sam, I wanted to talk about the hosts first. And Con have had a decent start to the season with a few wins dotted around, and they've been pretty good at home. What's been their secret to keeping their heads above water again? Because many were thinking that, this might have been the season that they look like nailed on uh, relegation candidates. Yeah, I think they've made uh, they've made the critics, um, some of us amongst them, uh, myself included. I thought they would they would struggle uh, losing losing big names and signing players we didn't really know a lot about. But you know they've made us all look a little bit foolish. The this team, when you think of Con, generally you think of the way they bring through young players. You know, you think of Lamar and Kante, Guerrero. These sorts of players who come through and really shine, but what they've done this season is a little bit different. They've gone and bought really cleverly. They bought Jiku from Bastia for two million euros. Looks a great signing. Uh, they bought Mbeng uh, for free. He's been sensational. He's uh, been in the team of the week three te- three times this season. They brought Frederic Gilbert. He's played every minute of every game. They've made some sensational signings, but. The reason why they're doing so well and the reason they're winning is because they're just working so hard as a unit. They look so well drilled. So many times last season when they just about barely escaped relegation, they really looked like the relegation fodder that we thought they would be this season. But they don't look that way this season. They look aggressive and they look together and they're just a really well drilled side. And and now Garand, the manager, is he's looking up the table. He's not looking behind. He said that this weekend he's... He's looking for victory. He, he says only a victory will do. And that's something quite different to what we've seen from, from this team in the past. They're, they're looking to the future. They're, they're confident. And they should be because they're playing, they're playing well. The, the defeat against Nantes, frustrating. Uh, they, they didn't play their style, the style that has that's begun to define them. And they paid for it in losing to, I mean, a ridiculous long-range goal. But when you let someone shoot from there, it may well go in. And that... 
that typified the a deviation from the style that they've made their own this season, that aggressive fighting for everything, getting to every ball first. It's real simple stuff, but you have to execute it, and they've executed it really, really well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm starting to think when Patrice Goron might get a little bit more recognition for his uh, work up there because it, for the last two or three years, we've thought that this team is probably going to go straight down. And yet again, they just keep proving us wrong. And with players like Santini, who keeps getting goals as well, which when they lost to Law, we were worried about. And I always thought that Ronnie Rodeland has been an excellent player for them and an excellent pickup. That, and like you said, Sam, they've, they've added some extra little pieces that's just made them a little bit more sturdy this time. And hopefully for them, at least anyway, they can keep up this form they hope, at least against Damien, Adam, who have slowly grown to life into Liga. We mentioned before the show that they sort of looked like a poor mid-table, maybe League Deux side at the start of the season and were a bit nervous. Mm. But despite that defeat to Marseille last week, they've been steadily improving over the weeks, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And uh, we were, as you say, we were discussing the fact that they, they looked like they were lacking in, in quality at the start of the year. I mean, successive promotions from National is a hell of a feat for Christopher Felicia and, and his men. And there were, I think there was one game uh, in August where six of the side that started a, this, a Ligue 1 game were with the club while they were in National. So it shows how far they've come. And it shows a little bit, perhaps, that they're overachieving. And to finish second in what was an extremely close Ligue 2 last, last year, not just we, we've talked a lot about the fact that those six teams at the end of the year were in with the chance of, of going up with promotion, but the whole league was very, very close. So perhaps, you know, they, they overachieved a little bit last season game promotion and that they looked in those first three games, obviously losing at PSG is no disgrace, but the home defeat at Orangere in particular and then losing at Sanetti in 3-0, they looked like a team who are out of their depth. But in a similar way to Con that, um, that Sam mentioned, they, they've made some really good signings and they've made some, you know, some uh, quite a few signings as well because I feel like they needed to really add that quality and they've really started to improve beat Nice 3-0 really good win at Strasbourg which was actually a very good game second half was was end to end after the sending off um it was, that was that was a very exciting encounter um but you look at Musa Kanate who was great for Sion uh, uh sort of over the last couple of years tailed off a little bit because I think he kind of wanted his move away and didn't get it and uh, I think for Amion to sign a player like him is 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 a really nice little sort of pickup. Lucien Troy was Monaco's sort of screw a couple of seasons ago. He got ten in all competitions, I think, um, which is you know is he's a good place. Only twenty seven. Everton fans might not remember him that fondly, but for a club like Amion again, he's a really really good signing. Serge Gakpé's got league and experience for Nantes, uh, and he sort of bummed around a bit in 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 Italy a little bit, but at thirties he's got experience and he's a player that will really do a job for them. Um, look at Nathan on loan from Chelsea, came for Vitesse last season, was end up first choice for Vitesse last year um, and really improved there and is an exciting addition to their squad. Um, Zung, uh, Bogoni Zungu, the South African midfielder, who was at Vitura Gamarosha last season, who finished fourth in Portugal, really overachieved. He's another really good signing. So they've kind of, it looks like they've made some really astute acquisitions despite losing uh, to, uh, on to to Leon, who was fantastic at PSG last, last week. So they look like they sort of built a squad a little bit last minute. Most of those players signed in the last week of the window, but they they look like they have the quality to compete in this league now. Gail Coote has been fantastic, by the way, so far. Started the last five games and been really, really, really very good. And looks like the type of player that can become a bit of a talisman for this club. So I think if you're an Amion fan, you can have a great season. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, whether they whether they stay up is still very much open to debate. It's going to be quite close at the bottom of the table. I think there are six, seven teams who are very, very evenly matched but they can compete with those teams now. They can compete with teams above them. Yes, they were a little bit outclassed with the visit of Marseille last week, but I don't think it's necessarily a game they'd be expecting to, to take three points from. Um, the, the, the key games will come against those other clubs around them. But 
they they look like a league inside finally. So I'm really happy for them, and they'll be an exciting story to follow and see how how they go for the rest of the year. Yeah, and it can't hurt to have a Nathan in your squad. Most teams uh, should learn that by now. <laughs> um, so what do you think in this one? Uh, I think uh, sorry, I think um, they're going to bounce back from the defeat at Nantes and uh, and Con will win two 0 yeah, I'm going for two one to Colm. They they've both been interesting sides this season. I, I think Armian maybe should concentrate on those home games against teams like Colm and try and nick the mm. points there. If they can nick a draw in this one, it'd be great. But I think then Colm maybe have just a little bit too much for them. Uh, Adam, I'm going one all. I'm I'm quite confident about Armian at the moment. I'm going to say they might just nick a draw, so one each. Let's move on to Bordeaux Gangomp, Adam. And, and Bordeaux had the man we've mentioned quite a fair bit already this season, and that's Malcolm to thank last week for their win at Toulouse because they were pretty poor other than the Brazilians' uh, wonderful little goal yet again. How big of an influence is he becoming on this team this season? I think I think he's a, he's a huge influence on this team, not because not just because of his quality, which is is obvious, but he's sort of become a leader too. He sort of leads by example. I think he's the player that the player, the rest of the squad looks to to make something happen. They they look to give him the ball when they're attacking, and he's become a real sort of playmaker. But for the entire team, he's he's so quick. He's got he's got such good vision. He's got such sort of quick feet as well. You really want one on one. You really want to be a want to be a fullback up against him. And it's still at twenty. You know he's got such a long career ahead of him, and you feel like that if Bordeaux managed to keep him, and he's a Bordeaux player. This time next year, they would have done extremely well. Um, you're right, and in wider context, you're right. They weren't great overall at Toulouse at Toulouse last week, but Toulouse are a very good side at home. And I think a one-nil win away away at the Stade Municipal would be something that Jocelyn Gorvenek would be very, very happy with, and would have would have taken very much, very much so uh, as they came into the weekend. And and you know, it, it kind of highlights Malcolm's importance because he won in that game. And these are the type of games that if Bordeaux were going to get back into the Europa League and somehow make up for that horrendous defeat to video till in the qualifiers for the Europa League. You feel like Malcolm's going to be a, a really, really key player for them. But they, I mean, they've got a lot of, lot of options in that attacking area now. Nicola Deprave was a great signing. We talked a lot about him on this pod. I know you're a bit of a fan of his as well, Nathan. He, he'll, he'll, although he hasn't, hasn't been set, you know, hasn't set the league alight just yet. I think that by, by Christmas time, you know, you'll see him getting, getting a significant amount of goals and really contributing to that team and really being a really good lieutenant for Malcolm. Jonathan Caffrey's very good as well. You know, the Champions League experience was great against PSG last year. Francis Comano's come, over, come, come on really well in the last year or so. Tankari had a good start to the season. So they've got a lot of options suddenly in, in, in those sort of attacking and midfield areas. Um, so I, I expect them to, to, to really push for a, a strong top six place. And if they can keep Malcolm fit and keep him playing well, who knows what could happen? It's it's pretty tight behind PSG and Monaco these days. So I think they're an exciting team to watch. And Malcolm is possibly one of the most exciting players in the league at the moment. So it'd be really good to see how he gets on this weekend and and, and beyond. Yeah, I really love his little bit of arrogance. And he was absolutely mm. fuming at Nicolas de Preville for not squaring it earlier in, in, in another counter-attack in that game. Uh, I love how angry yeah. he seems <laughs> to get the smallest little things. At. Sam, Gengon probably deservedly nicked that 1-0 win uh, at home against uh, Lille last week. Um, is that more of the team that we expected to see after they've started the season pretty slowly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two weeks ago, they played Lyon and they were arguably the better side and somehow contrived to lose. Um, against Lille, again, the better side took a stoppage time goal to avoid a second consecutive wasting of a good performance had they done that had they failed to beat Lille 
it would have been really dispiriting. That would have been a really bad sign for a team that I think we all think is capable of, of doing something something special this season. I mean, they're not they're not going to be last season's niece, but you know, for them to make a run at the sort of top six ish places, which is within within their sort of remit, I think that's something they could do. They needed to win this game and they need to go on a run and and sort of prove that they can they can compete with the top sides and, and you know this game Bordeaux it's a big test but um, we expect we do have expectations of this team now uh, which is different to the past you know when when they came up from Ligue 2 we didn't have massive expectations but they've been here for a while now and you look at this team you look at the the quality they have it's Salabur on one side Coco on the other Turam and Brian through the middle. I mean that's a that's a league and quality attack. That's an attack that can really do things, but they're still too nice. They're still not taking their chances. They're not putting their foot down when they can. The, the amount of chances against Lille, where they just an additional pass unnecessarily, a, a square to a teammate when they should have just been taking the chance on themselves. They really seem to be doing their best to to waste a dominant performance again, and it was it was frustrating. And they need to develop a bit more of the sort of cold-blooded streak, which is what you need if you're going to compete in the, sort of in the top half. And that's that's a new thing for Gangong. It's something they haven't done in the past and it's something they have to learn. They've got the quality. This goal, this late winner against Lille might be, might be the catalyst for improving on those lines, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, what a wonderful goal to win it as well by Etienne Dido. They really, really deserved that win at the weekend and they'll be delighted that they got it I, I'm going for a 2-0 win for Bordeaux though in this one I, I think they they just have a little bit too much quality on those attacking positions like Adam mentioned earlier Malcolm Kamano I really love as well I, I, they just have a little bit too much I think for, for Gamgomp um, what are you going for in this one Adam? I'm going to go 2-1 I think it'll be a little bit closer but yeah Bordeaux to win 2-1 Sam? I think Gamgomp are going to be the better team and they're going to find a way to lose 1-0 <laughs> it seems to be their recipe against the, the more difficult sides in Liga at the moment for them at least anyway let, let's talk about two sides that have had a slightly more indifferent weekend and some Saint-Étienne won in more of the classic way you might say for a Lever side in, in recent memory against Dijon uh, is their ability to possibly win in this sort of ugly style where they probably maybe didn't deserve all three points they got a very very suspect penalty as well is that key for them uh, for their goals of reaching Europe this season? Absolutely. I mean, the reason why Saint-Étienne chose to move on from Galtier was because they wanted to evolve a little bit as as a team. And they brought in Oscar Garcia, who is a very, very different style of manager. And if they can knit together those two styles, the, the solidity, the control of the old Saint-Étienne with, with Garcia's sort of Barcelona roots, that he brings a bit freer, a bit more attacking. If you can knit those two things together, you really have the makings of something quite special. And you think about maybe looking back at like Arsene Wenger's first couple of years at Arsenal, knitting together his free-flowing attacking football with the the brilliant backline of George Graham. That sort of combination of two styles, that worked perfectly, obviously, for Arsenal. If Sanatien can do something similar, then they really will be shooting for Europe and they will be, you know, they're currently third and they can realistically aspire to stay there if they can con- combine those two things because they have the solidity and they have the ability to win these games. I mean, absolutely, Dijon could have could have won that game. They had a goal disallowed rather harshly, the, the fortunate penalty to decide the game, as you mentioned. These are the kind of things that we, 
we like to write the cliches. These are the, the games you win to win you titles. They're not going to win the title this year, but for them, their title would be third. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the real title uh, outside of the top two. And, and for them to stay where they are would be a huge achievement. And games like this, games where they show they can still be serious, be solid and win gritty are vital because they've, they've played football in other games. In this game, they just had to find a way to win and they did it. Yeah, I still can't believe that penalty decision. And I feel sorry for, for a Dijon side that were desperate to get the points after winning the week before as well. Uh, Adam, Ren were, again, very good against Nice, really, but um, they were pretty unlucky to lose from a, another great strike from uh, Mario Balotelli. Are those last two games, including that, obviously, that win against Marseille, proving that Gokov's maybe turning things around? Yeah, I, I think so. I think from from my point of view, Christian Gorkov, although he's had a little bit of criticism recently, perhaps he's been accused of being a little bit tactically unflexible, which is which is obviously which is fair enough. You know, he has he has a way of going about things, and that doesn't necessarily always work. But it has proven very sort of fruitful in the past. The ten years he was at Lorraine were fantastic, and he's a very very astute, and 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 you know he's a good manager. He's 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 very experienced, and he's he's good at getting the best out of certain types of players. So I think that. Although they started the season slowly, that they were always going to find a way to to sort of to come good, if you like. And Gorkov was always going to be a, find a way to get the best out of this team. If you look at the squad that they've got, they they had a, they had quite a big turnover in the summer as well. They lost a lot of forwards and signed a lot of forwards. Ishmael Assar coming in, not being used in the same position that he was at Mets, being used as a central striker, which is which is unusual. Um, but he's taken time to adapt. And I know that um, Andres, uh, my fellow league and analyst at Football Radar, who's also been on, on this podcast before, has, has really sort of felt like he's really improved every game so far this season. So um, uh, he's, a, he's a player that could turn out to be huge for them. Well, because we know the qualities that he's got um, in league and for Bordeaux. Um, we talked about talked about that previously on the pod as well with with sort of his return being a bit of a, he needs to sort of prove a point in league and after a terrible time at Sunderland. So, they're a team with with quality, and I think that although Gorkov might find a little bit, take a bit of time in in finding the way to best get the best out of that quality, that he was given his experience and his his, his legal know how, if you like, he was always going to find a way to do that. So I think Ren are a team that would be quite interesting to keep an eye on over the course of the year because they might quietly sort of sneak up into the sort of into the you know the top third of the table, perhaps even well into the top half at least, um, sort of under the radar to some extent. Um, Benjamin Andre is still a very, very good player for them. We've got Johan Gorkov to come back as well. Benjamin Burgard, I really like. He was he was great for Lawns last season. Um, so no, they've got quality and they're sort of sort of coming up, um, sort of like I said, under the radar. And I think Gorkov is is fully capable of of not necessarily putting off a surprise of this team, but definitely making them very, very competitive and a, a team you wouldn't want to play. So I think. They're, they're, they'll be absolutely fine for the rest of the year and who knows where Gorka can take them. He's, I honestly think he's still a very, very good manager. Yeah, and it's, it's nice to see that a player like Burigo seems to get better and better each game. He plays, he seems to gain more confidence mm. and, and starts to sort of adapt to, to league on life as well. So uh, I'll start with you, Adam, then. Uh, what are you going for the result in this one? And I go uh, for a very league and 1-1 draw. I'm going for a sneaky Santetti M1-0 to maintain their current attempt of playing a little bit ugly. It might be a bit of a, a, a lucky one for them on this one. Um, Sam? I think Santetti are, are a really good side uh, for Ren to come up against. Um, 
I think stylistically it's going to be super, it's going to be really interesting. Two very different sides, but I do think Saint Etienne, as you say, they've still got that ability to win ugly. I think something like one nil, two win, two one perhaps, just to be different uh, for Saint Etienne. Yeah, I worry a little bit that Rem played so well and still couldn't quite grab a goal. I'm still worried about them attacking wise, getting the goals that they need in these. These games against bigger sides, you might say. Um, let's move on to a, another interesting game. When we mentioned um, no, on our main show on Monday, Adam, and uh, they've got four clean, well, four straight clean sheets now. Uh, it's a real positive for them, and three wins in the last four. Is that a foundation now that Ranieri can possibly build on? Yes, I definitely think so, and I think that's the way that Ranieri sees it too. He's talked a lot about. Which is, I was a little bit surprised to see him take this sort of tact, but he's talked a lot about defence being his number one priority and that not conceding a goal is, is the thing that his team should look to do more than anything else. Rather than perhaps beforehand, he's been a little bit more attacking at, at Leicester and the way they, the way they obviously thought their, their title win was, you know, an aberration in football terms. That type of thing probably won't happen again in the foreseeable future, at least. But they were very attacking at times and they played quite a sort of that 4 4 2. That he that he utilised, you know, they were they were obviously very dangerous at times, and I expected him to sort of continue the in the same way that Sergio Conceição did in a very similar setup um, going forward in, in in this season. But he said that, as I said, that he, you know he's focusing on defence, and that 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 strong base makes a little bit more sense in league, I suppose, because it's obviously a, a little bit more defensive league certainly than the Premier League. Fullbacks don't usually get forward too much, and there are less goals. Um, games are much much tighter and if you don't concede goals then you're very likely to get a point if you're very if you're that defensive sort of playing with five at the back he's sort of given Lucas Lima who uh, is a player I like very like at left back a little bit more license to get forward from from left wing back now Leo Dubois is very similar on the other side and he's sort of used uh, Nicola Power Coffee Gigi is a very good centre back on his day and, and Diego Carlos very well and that's honestly where the strength is in the team so it makes sense for him to sort of focus on that that area of the squad they've got they've got a decent defensive sort of backbone if you like um but whether whether the it's it's it, whether that's sort of his long-term plan or whether it's something that he sees as like a a starting point is is the thing that will be really interesting if, if not because they've always been a very defensive club at least at least since i've been covering the league which is sort of four or five seasons now they they, they under Mikel de Zakarian, they they finished 14th two seasons in a row and were bottom scorers and then second bottom scorers in both those years and really struggled to score goals. And Ranieri seems to have reverted to that after a sort of a bit of a flirtation with attacking football under Conceição. So whether he can sort of circumvent that sort of what I see as not as a very defensive team will be interesting to see in the long run. He he has the players to do that. Um, Valentin Rongier signed a, a new deal this week, which is a, which is a really big thing for them. A player I really like. Hopefully he can overcome his latest injury. And we'll see him play against Strasbourg at the weekend. Pajas Nakum is sort of coming from the cold a little bit, who's, who was very good for them last year, came off the bench after missing the, what, the last four games before that. So he's got he's got weapons too. So I think it would be interesting to see, this is possibly an opportunity to see whether he can sort of expand on that defensive base and whether he'll start doing it now, whether it'll be later in the season or whether they keep getting results like this. So the evolution of this team will be really interesting. Um, but like I said, I think he's got the weapons to to do both. So... It'd be it'd be it'd be a fascinating ride for for non fan season. Perhaps not the roller coaster one that they hoped, but an intriguing one nonetheless. Yeah, what, what, is it unlike an Italian to stick to his defensive roots? Um, oh, you wouldn't say <laughs> it's not, is it at all? <laughs> it, that is a very uh, Claudio Ranieri way of thinking about things. Uh, Sam Strasbourg failed to score yeah. in in four of the last, first uh, six games, which um, 
might be a little bit worrying when I get that notes done and they've kept four straight clean sheets. Um, is their lack of firepower a real worry for their fight against relegation? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as you say, they've only scored in four of their six games. But, I mean, it's, it's arguably even worse than that. Um, they've scored four goals total. Three of those came in the exceptional game against Lille. Goalkeeper sent off, outfield player in goal against 10 men. Those goals... I mean, they count on the scoreboard, but in, for the purposes of this discussion, they've scored one goal against a professional goalkeeper this season. That's really an underwhelming statistic, and that means the best they can really hope for in most games is a goalless draw. If they can't threaten the opposition uh, goal, then that the best that they can do is, is a goalless draw. And if that's your minimum and your maximum, your margin of error is, is just so, so thin. Um, they've had tough fixtures. They've played Lyon, Gangon, Monaco away. You wouldn't really expect promoted sides to, to win those games, but you might expect them to sort of put up a fight, and, and they didn't really do that. And that's, that's the worry, the fact that they're not really threatening the opposition at all. They are making chances, though, is the one thing that's sort of in their favour. They've, they've made 50 chances, goal-scoring chances this season. Monaco have only, have only made 69. So when you put it in those terms, it doesn't look so bad. But if you can't put the chances away, it's a meaningless, meaningless statistic you can look at next season when you're in League 2. They just don't have a goal scorer. Idris Saadi is their sort of main attacker. He's the number nine. He's never done it at this level. He, he, played, he scored, played well last season in Belgium, scored goals, but he's never really done it at the top level in France. Uh, his year in, in England, oh, in Wales, with Cardiff, didn't get a goal, not great. They just really don't have anyone to, to put chances away and to really threaten the opposition goalkeeper. And if you don't score, you don't win. If you don't win, you don't stay up. So it's really that simple. Yeah, and I think I'll steal a march on everyone's possible prediction on this one, and I'm going for a goalless draw, as Sam alluded to it. But when you're facing a defence that's kept so many clean streets and not scored many goals against a team that's barely scored any goals, it's got nil-nil written all over it for me. Uh, Sam, what's your prediction? It's it's hard to argue with, with that, with the goalless draw. Adam? I think not, I think not a sneak it, 1-0. I thought we were going to get a clean sweep then. Uh, let's focus back now on the Sunday's final game, and that's uh, Marseille hosting Toulouse. And Adam, it's, it was a bit of a shift in personnel for Marseille that helped them get back on track last week. Should they stick with the likes of NG playing as a central striker and uh, Dimitri Payet playing as more of a number 10 behind him? Yes, I, I think... Two questions that Rudy Garcia should ask himself here, and it's, it's, it's often the way I think about, about this, is how does he get the best out of his best players? And you have to say that Dimitri Payet is comfortably his best player. So is he better on the left wing in a 4-3-3, or is he better at Amid in a 4-2-3-1, or even a diamond? Um, and I'd argue that he's probably played his best football as an attacking midfielder, so or in a central position. So it makes sense for him to want to move Payet inside. But then... I would argue also that I think Morgan Sanson's been one of their best players this season. And does that compromise Morgan Sanson's role in the team? He didn't he didn't start last week. I think he was sort of rested after the after the Europa League game. But I would like to see the Garcia find a way to get the the best out of both of those two players. I mean Sanson could play on the left, he could play slightly deeper alongside a sort of defensive midfielder, whether that's Luis Gustavo or or even Sambo and Guisa. 
Um, but whether that gets the best out of him is another question. So I think I would personally perhaps even keep Payet on the left or or move it move to a sort of a diamond midfield. But that's obviously not something that, that they sort of tested this season. So that's probably not an option at the moment. But I I still think that he should be careful not to compromise Morgan Sanson's ability, who I think has been quietly very very good for Marseille despite the fact the team have been pretty poor. Um, and secondly is is the forward the forward line. So. Valor Germain is a player I'm a huge fan of, and I thought he was fantastic at Nice two seasons ago, and again at Monaco last year. Very unlucky to be to be on the wrong end of Kylian Mbappe's sort of um, emergence. Uh, he was very, very good, and it sort of go, it goes under the radar a little bit that he the first half of the season he was fantastic for Monaco last year and really did con- contribute to their to their title win. Um, but his his time at Marseille so far has been a little bit up and down. He was fantastic in in the Europa League against Ustenda. I don't think he scored a league goal yet though, so he's been a little bit anonymous, and I think. His issue is that he's not really a striker that plays on his own up front. Uh, Monaco last season obviously had four four two, and he's playing with Falcao a lot, even with um, even with Mbappe a lot when when Falcao was injured. And I think he needs more support. So by playing Dimitri Payet in in a central role, you get that French sort of nine and a half role that that Payet played a little bit for France last summer, um, and that he's very capable of doing. And it gives Germain, as it did uh, Olivier Giroud. The, the the help of or the, the assistance of someone playing close to them or off them or even running beyond them in, on occasions. So I, I think that if you, if you could, if that suits your man, then I'd play Pyatt perhaps off your man in, 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 a, in, a, in a more central role. Then NG has been really good this season. He's got four more goals than Germain in, 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 in Ligue 1. He scored twice last week. One was very, very fortunate perhaps. Um, but he is scoring goals and he, he looked good in, in a couple of preseason games too. So, and he's much more capable of perhaps playing as a central striker on his own. He's, he's quicker and he's very much, much happier to run in behind. So that, that role suits and G a little bit more. Personally, I think Shaman's a better player, but like I said, you might need, you might need some help. If you were to move to a, to that's a diamond, which is what I, I, I quite like that because it's kind of a classic French formation with Le Carre Magique from the, from the eighties of, of Jures and Tigana and, and, and Platini and Fernandez. that who plays alongside Germain and does that suit Florian Tuvan? So perhaps Garcia has to make a tough decision and, and drop Germain or at least rotate him and Ngi a little bit more in in, a, in the attempts to get the best out of his other players. Question. And I, I personally would like to see Germain play if he's playing well, but I don't know that he can justify him starting at the moment. Ngi scored twice last week. He's a striker in form. He's scoring goals. So perhaps that 4-3-3 needs to give Pyatt a little bit more a little more space to, to come inside and, and stick with Fungi for now. Mm, yeah, and I'm sure Marseille fans will be delighted to keep reminding people that Ng scored more goals than uh, Neymar so far this season. But at the same time, <laughs> I think most of Ng's have come up body parts he didn't realise he had for most of the time. They yeah, scored goals. <laughs> they do seem to be a... They all count, though. They all count. Yeah, that's what they'll always tell you. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sam, uh, Toulouse well, should have really done better against Bordeaux. Where there's a few glaring misses. I remember Ola Toivonen having a great header that he should have scored, really, and, and a counter for Corentin Jean that on another day, on one-on-one situation, he should be really sticking away. Um, is there a real, a real worry that uh, this team could be big underachievers of this season if they if they can't put their chances away when they get them against teams? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was an incredibly frustrating performance to watch from a from a sort of Toulouse perspective. They need they need to get some wins, and that was a really good opportunity against a, an out of sorts, underperforming themselves Bordeaux team. They couldn't beat Troyes. They should have beat Bordeaux, and, and 
somehow managed to lose. I mean, Toivonen himself had enough chances to win 10 games. But they just didn't – they're not putting these chances away. They're not making that many chances either. Um, you know, we mentioned just just before, chances created. Toulouse have only made 38. That's just that's just not good enough. Uh, you know, we underperforming side, but it's a very it's a very mixed bag of talent. Goalkeeper, obviously excellent. Backline settled, really really strong. They've got good parts here and there, but they're still trying to fit them together. Imbula looks better and better. He looked very good against Bordeaux. Gradle still to come back. There's quality here and there, but this team they seem to have gone backwards from last season and where they were almost surprise packets. But they dropped off roughly halfway through the season last season and they've carried that form into this season. So they don't have the good the wins that they got early last year to inflate their position. So they're left sitting a lot further down the table than they might otherwise be. If they were winning the games that they could have, should have won, they'd be up in, you know, in the top six. But they're not. They're in the bottom half, thirteenth, level with Amiens. That's not really good enough for, for a team with the ambition to, to sort of kick on, to take this young, exciting team and, and develop and, and really move forward. But if they can't do that against a Bordeaux team that was there to be beaten, and not only did they not win, but they lost, that's a real concern because, yeah, they're going to have harder games than that. They're going to have games against teams that actually want to try and beat them, which Bordeaux weren't really trying to do. Bordeaux were opening the gate, and Toulouse couldn't walk through it. It was an incredibly frustrating performance. And if that's going to become the thing this season, I mean, they, they just can't, they can't win games. It's really frustrating. And they, they really look, they don't look like relegation candidates, but stranger things have happened. Bigger teams in Toulouse have gone down and they could find themselves in trouble if they just can't start scoring some goals. Yeah, I say underachievers because it feels like this team should be good enough. They've got... Delors had a great experience in league game before. Jean's a good player. Toivonen's got great experience. They've got a great defence. The midfield with Mbula, like you mentioned, Sam looks better. With Gradel and, and Dermaz looks better this season as well. You think there's enough there to get results, but they're struggling at the moment to find that extra gear to really go in. Um, Adam, what do you think in this one? I I think um, it's, I have a feeling it's going to be not the most exciting of games. I have a feeling it might be nil-nil. Just a quick point on Toulouse. I think Oscar Trejo is a big, big miss for them. They haven't really replaced him. He's sort of that number 10 that can create. And all the players they have signed don't really replace place his sort of type of player. So I think they're kind of missing that that sort of that sort of guile of a number 10. So I think this might be a nil-nil. Mm, I'm going to go for a one-nil win for, for Marseille on this one. I think they'll just... Pippa to lose to the post. Uh, Sam, what do you think? It's a tough one to pick. It really is. I mean, Marseille haven't looked great, but they look like they're sort of getting there. They're, they're coming together piece by piece. Toulouse have, have looked okay for two-thirds of their games, but just contrived to, to not take their chances. So I think it's probably a goal a goalless draw. Mm. That's all for this week. My thanks to Adam, Sam, and for all of you joining us this evening. The main show will be back with all the thrills and spills from the weekend on Monday. But now, enjoy your weekend of football that's uh, yet to come.